I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, I really want to buy some art supplies. That's what we're all thinking. Well, when you order your art supplies from Blick.com, don't forget to use our affiliate link. Longtime listeners know that this is my favorite way for you to support the podcast because it's easy and it costs you nothing. All you have to do is go to www.messystudiopodcast.com slash Blick. That will take you straight through to the regular Blick website, but when you order using our affiliate link, we earn a 10% commission, which keeps this whole thing running. I always recommend that you just bookmark that link, and then you don't even have to think about it. Every time you order your art supplies, you're supporting the show. I also wanted to let you know about a couple sales going on right now. I know a lot of you really like to use uh, soft pastels in your art practice, and right now the Rembrandt brand soft pastels are marked down by $54 off of list price. That's only $82.17 for the 60-piece set. The Blick brand pastels are also 50% off. So that's $37.99 for the 40-piece set of the Blick Pastels. So just wanted to give you all a heads up about that. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about connection. Creating art is a way to share our thoughts, the ways we see the world, and experience life. This communication is vital, even when we are immersed in our process. Thinking only of the next step ahead, our unseen, largely unknown audience is with us. Very few artists work in total isolation, with no desire to connect or communicate with viewers. Yet, artists are also encouraged to follow their own vision, to not let other people's reactions pull them off track. Today, we'll toss around some thoughts about the desire to connect with our viewers and what this means in the studio. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. The idea of connection has been important to me for a long time. Um, in fact, it's one of the um, intentions on the list of intentions that I made uh, years ago. And I like the word because, to me, it has different meanings Um in terms of the intentions and the way that I wrote it down, part of its meaning for me is my own connection to the work. Um, so always um, intending to connect emotionally, intellectually, visually. Um, and the artist's connection to the work, so that, you know, this type of personal involvement with your own work, um, to me is kind of the core of connecting with other people to the viewer. And that's kind of what we want to focus on today is that communication um, with the viewer, what what kinds of communication happen, um, and are the, the pathways for this connection for artists and their audience actually, uh, are they similar or are they different in some, in some ways? Um, but, you know, it really does get down to just, you know, what we do, we're just trying to communicate some things that are, you know, a little bit um, amorphous. <laughs> I mean, I think of it as sort of like, we're trying to communicate a sense of who we are, a sense of who, uh, a bigger, in the bigger sense, something about just being human, I suppose. And that, um, you know, we hope that our experiences and our ideas connect with somebody else's. And, creates this kind of mutual validation. Um, the artist feels validated, the viewer feels validated, um, and there's this exchange when that um, 
connection is there. So that's kind of the the big picture, you know, of what I why I thought this would be um, an interesting topic. Um, and you know, if we're talking about how does our work connect with a viewer, obviously, it does begin um, with the artist, and then it's received by the viewer. And it's really, you know, there are these ideal situations where um, the viewer responds and the artist hears what they have to say in this sort of one-on-one -on -one situation. So, you know, that might happen in the studio or at an art opening or um, maybe maybe somebody just comments on social media in a really um, deeper way or perceptive way that means something uh, to you when you read it, or maybe, you know, maybe even have a written review or something. But when you get that feedback, um, and that's pretty important. And and you also know that if if somebody really loves your work, follows your work, and just knowing that, you know that they feel a connection with it. But a lot of times, um, you may not really perceive how people are receiving your work, or, you know, what is the connection? Um sometimes as an artist you're aware that your work has is marketable has you know somebody's bought it um but that doesn't always <laughs> align with knowing that you well, your ideas or whatever you put into the work was was really communicated because frankly sometimes uh artwork is purchased for because it fits somewhere <laughs> You know, I mean, that, that is a lot of it. Um, when you know somebody has bought it for their home and they're, you know, they really connect with your work, that's pretty special. Um, a lot of times when you work through a gallery, the, the purchase is kind of anonymous and you don't really feel that connection. Um, you don't, and it's kind of disappointing, really. I mean, you like to have the sale and it's, you know, it's money in the bank, but you don't really know usually you don't know who bought it or you don't know why they bought it, what they liked about it. So it's kind of a, you know, sort of putting things into the void and <laughs> getting some money back, but not really that sense of connection, which is, which is so nice. Um, well, and with abstract art too, it's, it's, um, it's more difficult to create the, the symbols and the, um, the the mood or the evoke the emotions from your artwork um, in a in a very specific sense. Um, if you're depicting something realistically, uh, you can very get very specific about what you're trying to the way that you're trying to connect with the viewer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think by nature, abstraction tends to be a little bit less defined. It is in terms of what that connection is. And so the the further we get from this specific connection, and and you're already detached because you're in the studio. Um, and not in the environment where the work is going to be hung eventually. Um, and so it can be very difficult to create this, this sense of connection and establish it in a way that um, is controllable for you in any way. Yeah, I agree. It, um, abstraction, we know, we know when we make it that it's somewhat open-ended. I mean, it is definitely more open-ended than um, a, a subject that people can identify and and read things into so um yeah it, it's that's an extra layer of wondering you know am i communicating is somebody going to connect with this and it doesn't have to be in any literal way it could be a very intuitive connection 
And so I think a lot of abstraction conveys a particular mood or, um, you know, maybe it's very bold and dramatic. Or maybe it's very quiet and subtle. And, um, you know, you can, you can pretty well expect that those kind of things are communicated, but there's so much more that goes into any work of art that, um, yeah, it's, it can, I don't know, you work in the isolation of your studio and to the best of your ability, you express something that is inside of you. And if you never hear anything back about it, it, you know, it can be difficult. You can feel that, um, you know, we, we all just keep plugging ahead, but you, you know, you could sort of need that. And, and, you know, we've talked a lot about, um, like connecting with people that come into your studio and how to speak about your work and all those things. But day to day, um, it is, it's a difficult thing that, that we deal with. And I, I guess I also want to say, um, a lot of times from the artist's perspective, if you get right down to the original impulse for the work, what, why are we doing this? What are we doing every day? We're going in there uh, to the studio and doing stuff. The idea of connection is not always the primary thing um, because most of us have this kind of compulsive need to do the work and it's the way that we process our experience. So um, at its very root, I think art is done for the artist's own reason. And most of us do some work that we don't ever show anybody. You know, we, we do things um, in our sketchbooks or... Um, just, you know, small things that we just, they're just private and personal. We don't have to exhibit them or think about that. Um, but, you know, there's this other step. Once the work, once your work starts to be seen by other people and it's out there, I think there is a disappointment if the viewer doesn't react with some sort of appreciation or understanding because I, we do recognize that there's, you know, there's a cycle of communication. You you make it, you put it out there, and you just sort of um, want something back. And I think it is important to be concerned about that. I mean, I guess I just said it may not be the primary reason. Uh, many of us would make art even if nobody ever saw it. But right behind that impulse to make it, I think there is, um, you know, the urge to connect with other people. And sometimes I think there's an attitude of, well, you know, the art is ambiguous, but that's okay because art is supposed to be ambiguous. It's supposed to be open-ended. And I think that's a bit of a pitfall. And I guess, um, you know, I got a few more things to say about that, but creating work with some clarity, something that you intend for it, you know, you have a much better um, chance of actually connecting with somebody because you're clear about it. Um, and I think, you know, from, from the perspective of the person who's looking at your work, um, that connection is primary. I mean, they're not going to look at your work and get anything out of it. Um, if there's nothing, if there's no way into the work, there's no connection. Um, do you think that what people are connecting with is that that intimacy and that uh, personal nature of the work? It seems like a lot of times, yeah. I mean, there is work that's rather impersonal. Um, and some people that are very 
I suppose, intellectual or conceptually oriented would appreciate um, that. I think it's it's anything that sort of pulls you in. Um, but yeah, it's personal. Anybody's thoughts are personal. Their concepts are. And it seems like there's this kind of irony in the situation where that that really personal, intimate work, it almost needs to be created in, in an isolated environment. <laughs> and so yeah. then in order to have that that connection with your viewers, you need to be away from them to begin with. It really is odd. I mean, it's it is I, th- I guess, you know, it's true for other uh, things like writing and music and things too, where, you know, you create inside your own head or your own space, your own studio. And yeah, you you need that solitude to do it. And at the same time, you're trying to figure out um, how to connect. And I guess there's sort of a a purity or a, a clarity about your, if you have that in your intentions, it sort of cuts through that barrier of time and space. I mean, you know, we can feel connected to work that was done hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago. We sense that humanity of that person that made it, and it can be so moving. Um, especially, I, you know, I find art that was created, you know, ancient, ancient art to be so powerful in the sense that somebody did this, and you can sense that person there. Um, it's... It is powerful. Yeah, it's like there's this traveling through time and space that, yeah. that happens with artwork <laughs> and this connection with a person that was never aware that you would ever exist. It's kind of magic. It really is. Um, and I think, though, in order for that to be felt, it does. there does have to be something, obviously, that the viewer connects with. And if they don't find a way into something, there's a frustration level. Um, and, and I don't think that the work always has to be easy or really, you know, that the artist has to go overboard to make it so accessible that there's one interpretation and the viewer is going to get that right away. I mean, that's not the most interesting artwork. But I sort of think about it like conversation. There there really has to be an opening for this person who's looking at your work um, to engage with it. And, and it's okay for there to be some ambiguity or, you know, different ways of interpreting it, but some sort of kind of basic structure or purpose or something that um, maybe you only perceive it intuitively or emotionally. It doesn't have to be um, descriptive or intellectual, but if the artist doesn't have some clarity, then ambiguity is just muddle, you know? And I, as an instructor, you know, sometimes I see um, paintings that the artist might say, well, you know, I just sort of want the person to get out of it whatever they can, or that, you know, I just put, basically, I put down a bunch of paint and you can read into it what you wish. Well, sometimes that works, but most of the time, I think for the viewer, if they sense confusion and a lack of clarity, I think most of the time the viewer does not really engage with it and they just feel kind of put off by it. I think people want to connect with something that has a sense of intention and purpose in it. 
And if you're lacking that, if it if it is too open ended, um, then then that's very difficult to achieve. It's I'm not saying it's impossible. There is you know open ended work that is um is is very meaningful, but uh, it's it's much harder for people to connect with something that's that doesn't have. Uh, form and definition. Yeah, and sometimes I think with my own work, I'm sort of setting a stage, and it's hard to set a stage. I mean, you, in other words, I want to present something, and I am perfectly fine with people having their own in, uh, interpretations, associations, connections. I mean, I like that, but in order to set the stage, there have to be there has to be some things in place. I mean, it has to work compositionally. The the color has to work. Um, all the things that the visual elements and the design principles contribute to a work have to be considered. Plus, I'm setting a particular kind of stage. I mean, in my work, it's it's evocative of nature. It's evocative of um, rocks and stone and pathways and things like that. And so that's what I bring to it. Um, and that's the stage. And from there, I, I think it's fine for people to look at it different ways, see different things, be reminded of things. Um, I think you do have a sense of, of purpose and intention and emotion in your work, though. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the fundamentals are something that we drive home a lot here, and they are very important because without them, you don't have the basis to build a body of work that right. can really represent you um it's like having needing to have you know grammar and structure in your language in order to express your ideas but the ideas are what's really important and if you didn't have those in your work then people wouldn't connect with it yeah very very true there's uh the the design principles the visual elements provide the structure if it if it's not there um it creates uh confusion in the viewer and when it's there, the artist's ideas can come come forward. And it's almost to me that there is more connection when there is room for interpretation, because it's not one way. I'm not saying to the viewer, this is what you have to see in my work. And that's a bit like, you know, when somebody comes at you with a monologue and they want to you know, tell you exactly what they're thinking and perhaps try to convince you to think what they're thinking. And it's it's one way, right? So if you just sort of set something up, it's a lot like a conversation where you sort of ask somebody a question or you say, you sort of introduce an idea that we can talk about. And um, it's not a monologue. So those kind of paintings that try to dictate exactly what the connection will be, it kind of cuts it off, really. Even it's kind of ironic. I mean, the person's trying very hard to connect us, convey a certain idea, but uh, it's it's not that engaging, I don't think. <laughs> and that's what you want to do, right? You want to engage um, with the viewer. Real quick, I got to let our listeners know about what's new at Cold Wax Academy. Rebecca and Jerry are busy preparing new presentations for their spring quarter weekly live interactive sessions. The topics for spring are shape, scale, and proportion, and self-coaching to improve your work habits and productivity. 
As always, there will be plenty of opportunities to interact with Rebecca, Jerry, and other members, along with critique sessions, feedback about your paintings, and of course, a deep dive into the three selected topics of the quarter. Cold Wax Academy has been receiving lots of rave reviews from members. They know it is the best online learning for cold wax painting available and the only membership program dedicated to this medium. Find out more at coldwaxacademy.com. That's coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into it. I I think that really what people connect with is stories. We talk about mm-hmm. storytelling a lot as a useful device here. Um and so it's I, the stories by nature are um they they have a progression, they have um certain elements that play together. Um and but they they do tend to have an open interpretation. I mean, we could tell the same story a thousand different ways Mm -hmm. and by interpreting these base elements in different ways and the same, we're doing the same thing with our art, but if we don't have the, you know, that same kind of connection that, uh, that we get through telling stories, um, then it's going to fall flat. It's, it's the difference between a lecture and like you're talking about and telling a story. Mm -hmm. Is is that that uh, that sense of connection that we can create with our audience, right? And and you know, I think what you're saying in the way that I would think of story too, it doesn't have to be um, a depicted narrative. Um, a story can just be um, the kind of thing that I was talking about, where you you just set something up. And the viewer can complete the story. And it, it may be very intuitively done. There may be no inner dialogue about, you know, in words about what's happening. Um, you see something, you see an abstraction maybe, and you just feel its impact. Um, why do you feel that impact? Because the artist has a story, I suppose. They have something they want to say. And um, whether people are working with story that is more narrative or a story that is just an expression of an experience or a moment. Um, I guess what I'm saying is a pretty broad interpretation of story, but something that you want to say, some something to communicate, whatever that is. Right. <laughs> it's, I mean, you could tell a story with a single image, and it's a whole lot easier with, with realism. So if you had, say, a, a red balloon floating over some houses, you might ask, where did that balloon come from? Was there a child's birthday party? Did a child lose their balloon? Is this a sad balloon? Is it a happy balloon? Um, and so th- those are things that, that the viewer could fill in from a single image. Mm-hmm. And it is possible to do the same thing with abstraction. Um, you might be using colors that evoke a sunset or uh, the ocean, um, you know, a sense of place, a sense of time. Uh, and and the the viewer can uh, connect with that emotionally and fill in the details. And there's a there's a kind of story also that's very uh, I guess I would, for lack of a better word, intellectual or um, it's it's more um, you know um, left side brain. It's it's a balance of color. It's a it's an interesting interaction of line. It doesn't always have to be connected to something in visual reality directly. Um, in other words, you don't have to s- say, oh, that reminds me of. There is a direct connection that abstraction can do just with 
uh, just with color, just with shape, line, um, that we don't have to produce a narrative for it. But it's kind of it's kind of clicking with the part of our brain that likes logic or that likes interaction of things. And oh, this shape interacts really well with this other one. So at that level, not everybody appreciates abstraction. And that's, I know that. Um, at the level where you can say it reminds me of something, uh, that's, that is more accessible, I think, to people. Uh, but it depends on the artist and what, what, they're, um, what they're trying to do. Um, but there's so many ways, I guess, to communicate. And maybe at their core, they, they are a sort of story. Um, even if you're working just with shape, you say, well, I like the way that this shape fits with this one. <laughs> that's sort of a story, I guess. Um, so anyway, there's, there's all this kind of amorphous stuff that we, that we deal with in the studio. And I think sometimes for artists, if they fail to make, um, a connection and, and maybe somebody either rejects the work or a gallery says they don't want it or a critic doesn't get it, um, you know, that's okay here and there. But I think if a lot of, if you, if you see that, lack of communication over and over with your work um, in the bigger picture, that kind of cumulative response, it's it's probably a good thing to pay attention to it. And, and you can dismiss it and say, oh, people just don't understand it. But, <laughs> you know, to complete that communication cycle, you know, what, what is not getting through? What, what aren't people receiving? Um, and I was uh, thinking about this kind of interesting exercise that we did um, with our students at Cold Wax Academy a couple weeks ago. And we've been working with um, the membership about art language and about assessing paintings, critiquing paintings, and so on. And so we put out a call for the members to submit paintings that other members would critique. Um, and... We we got all the information about this prior to the live session. So the people submitted their paintings. We chose some. And then other people went in and, and made comments. And all that was kind of behind the scenes, like we didn't see this. But then when we presented it, it really was an interesting exercise to see <laughs> the range of responses. And this is – there was one um, more uh, realistic landscape in there, but most of it was abstract. Um and, and, you know, I think it was one of the reasons I kind of wanted to do this um, topic today because what what we got out of that when we read through the comments was there was a, kind of an overall sense that um, some ambiguity is, is absolutely fine. Um, and, again, it was pretty much abstract work, so uh, that was to be expected. But the paintings um, were, were viewed more or less favorably if there was some sort of clarity or purpose that people were picking up on. And even when maybe the comments might suggest something or say, I'm not sure that area is working or whatever. Um, and that, and there would be some disagreement there. Some person likes it, some other person doesn't, but there was this connection. I mean, there was an acceptance that the artist is offering this to us. We're basically getting it. We have some, maybe some comments of things to change, but, when the people critiquing the paintings sensed that the artist was sort of wandering around without a clear vision, 
um, the comments had this sort of frustrated tone to them. <laughs> uh, they were more adamant about pointing out what needed to be fixed. And I think this just kind of points out that the viewers want a sense of that the artist is in charge. You know, they're going to present us with something. We can react to it. But that clarity or direction is one of the artist's big jobs, right, for the viewer. And it's also really difficult, especially when you're you're trying to find your way and you're trying to figure out what your voice is and what you do want to say. Um, this is a difficult phase to go through. Uh, and we can cycle back through it, too, when we make changes in our work. We can get a little lost again. Um, but somehow gaining clarity, whether it's a narrative, whether it's a story, whether it's an idea, however you want to put it, that you want to convey, it seems really basic. Um, and I see so much work where if you asked the artist, you know, what what were you aiming for here? What was this about? It would really be, it would boil down to, well, I just... I just put some paint down and I liked the way it looked. And I think sometimes that's all right and that's a way to learn. But there's that other step that just seems really important. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Um, yeah, after all that, um, you know, I, I don't mean that your work has to be perfect uh, in order to communicate. Because, like, I mean, I was talking about this session with Cold Wax Academy. Um, there... All the paintings had something that people were bothered by, but some were basically accepted as as complete and whole. And others, the viewers just were sort of left kind of dangling. And I think, I think the viewer wants a reward for taking the time to look at your work. They want something of of substance. They want structure. They want a way in. Um, that doesn't mean that the work can't be kind of on some level. Uh, confrontational, disturbing, or uncomfortable. Um, but that's kind of an aside. I mean, those are emotional reactions, and sometimes the artist wants to provoke those, and that's fine. But it's that kind of um, solid base of of clarity of idea that's that's important. And I, I think people sense when an artist feels unsure, and they are hesitant, and they're unresolved about what they're doing. Um, so... I guess, you know, as a as a final thought, I think to to establish connection, um, there has to be something to communicate that you're articulating through your work, through your visual language. Um, it doesn't have to be obvious. It doesn't have to be overstated, um, but something for the person to receive at least on an intuitive level that has clarity to it. All right, well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. 
Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.